Welcome to Murder Avenue. going on guys i'm patrick michael welcome back to murder avenue and today we're going to be looking at another strange case as we do here always and uh, i wasn't expecting this one because there is a lot of death in this episode so you have been warned already but thank you for tuning in like i said fantastic to be here everyone who is or has listened to this show or is currently listening right now please don't forget to drop five stars or review the show wherever you're listening that includes apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher all of those things and don't forget to follow on social media at 187 murder avenue and follow me directly at patrick michael comedy on instagram and uh, i think that's going to do it guys so let's get started man we're heading to a place known as clearwater and we're going to be discussing the wells gray park murders but before that Obviously, you got to hear the disclaimer. We're here on Murder Avenue, examining the darkest parts of humankind. Before we get started, I must say, this is a true crime podcast. We will be discussing murder, and it's going to be grim. It's going to be detailed, and this may get comical at certain points. And that's only to make some of the worst parts of the things we talk about a little less horrible. But the jokes are never towards the victims. Listener discretion is advised. August 1982, Bob Johnson, Jackie Johnson, and their daughters, Karen and Janet, meet up with their grandparents, George and Edith, for a two-week camping trip just outside of Clearwater, British Columbia. The camping trip ends early to a very deranged killer. But before we get into those actual crimes, guys, of course, we have to talk a little bit about Clearwater, British Columbia itself. Clearwater, British Columbia is a district municipality in the North Thompson River Valley in British Columbia, Canada, where the Clearwater River empties into the North Thompson's. Thompson River, excuse me. It's located uh, 77 miles north of Kamloops. And keep in mind, guys, this is Canada, so I don't know much about Canada or all the verbiage that they have uh, when it comes to kilometers and these other weird things. But uh, nonetheless, very much like the United States in a lot of ways. Clear water definitely sounds... Uh, every time I hear that, I think about the band, the Clear Water Revival or something like that. I don't think they're talking about Canada, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know the John Fogarty very well. But uh, 
Yeah, Clearwater, British Columbia. It's a district municipality. The population in 2016 is uh, 2,324, which is not a lot. Not a lot. Area codes 250-778-236. Uh, prior to European settlement, that area is now occupied by the village, was occupied by the Ogels First Nations. They were eventually uh, su you know, surpassed by... The Chillicotans in the 1870s, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, the fur trade actually brought the earliest settlers to the area. The Overland's expedition to the Caribou Goldfields rafted down the North Thompson River in 1862. Uh, 1914, rail access was established. Previously, previously access had been uh, by steamboat or overland. 1914, they finally get the railroad. You could take a train. Uh, 1953, the Trans Mountain Pipeline was completed. 1970s, Yellowhead Highway was completed. 1968, Clearwater is incorporated as a settlement. December 2007, the municipal government is incorporated. So, relatively small place for sure, with uh, 2,000 people. Not a lot, guys. But it's not just about Clearwater because what we're talking about today actually took place a little bit outside of Clearwater, and it's the Wells Gray provincial park murders and uh wells gray's wells gray this is gonna be hard to say wells gray provincial park is uh 120 kilometers north of kamloops which we kind of mentioned already uh the media actually coined this the wells gray murders but the actual murder site was beside phage creek which is 11 uh, miles north of clearwater and 11 miles south of the Wells Gray Park entrance on Clearwater Valley Road. So we're not exactly right in inside Clearwater, right on top of Clearwater, but due to the fact that that was what it was dubbed in the media, might as well stick with the trend, huh? As I priorly said, this all happened in August of 1982. Uh, the targets seemingly random as as usual. You wouldn't expect this to happen uh, on vacation, but uh, Bob, Jackie, Karen, Janet, George, and Edith, you know, all six of these people end up having their vacation cut short by a deranged killer. Now, of course, nobody saw this coming. Nobody knew this was going to happen, but by August 16th, Bob was a no-show at work, and that was very unusual. He was the breadwinner, I would assume, to the family back back in the 1980s, and he didn't show up. So they were weary of that, and a week later, it was put into the press that he was missing. Then by August 23, 1982, the entire group was clarified to be missing. And this was all around what was what is known as the Bear Creek Prison Site. It's the old prison site somewhere over in that area. Like I said, I don't know much, so I'm just speculating on most of this information that I have here. It's all relatively close in the same proximity, but what is the history of Bear Creek Prison? I have no idea. But after the people went missing uh, and they were declared to be missing, investigators actually thought that they just disappeared because there was nothing pointing you in any particular direction that would help you assume what happened here. You would just, you know, you're going to go down a rabbit's hole and find no answers and there's going to be a lot of upset people, a lot of money spent 
And of course that matters. Unfortunately, as much as it does matter, it does matter. You wouldn't think it did. Just put as much money into finding these people as you could. But by September 13th, uh, they reported finding a burnt car near uh, Battle Mountain Road, which is very similar. The car, the car's style was very similar to the one that Bob Johnson's family had been seen driving in earlier. The grandparents, George and Edith, actually had showed up in a truck. They showed up in a like a camper sort of a truck. Uh, the search of the vehicle showed four dead bodies. They were all killed via gunshot to the head. And when they finally open the trunk, as you as I said, it's a burned car. They find two more bodies of uh, the young girls, uh, Karen and Janet. They all seem to be killed by a 22 caliber handgun. They found six spent shells. And you could tell that George and Edith had been robbed of boating equipment. And that because of the location of these vehicles, they had thought to be uh, somebody local to have done this. But it seems so strange, and I think about this purely because of the situation here. But to be murdered on vacation... I mean, I guess what I really mean is, it's, is it better to be murdered on vacation? Or is it better to be murdered, like, at work? Would you rather be, like, sort of enjoying yourself, have your vacation cut short, or your day job cut short? Right? You go in to work a 12-hour shift, and you get off at 2, you know? You get off at 2 hours, and... You know, it's just no more work, like, ever again. Or is it better to have your vacation cut short? You're having a blasty blast. Hard to say, man. Really hard to decide between the two. But it seems annoying. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm gonna get murdered on vacation. Really? Great. Just what I really want. You know, that's what you want on vacation. I want to not come home from vacation. So you're forever on vacation? Is it good? I don't know. But uh, spring of 1983, several different methods were actually used to try and figure out how this murder actually occurred, how they killed six people, and who was involved. So some of the Mounties and whatever they called up there, the officers, I'll call them, uh, they reenacted it for TV cameras for the BC police. Very interesting, but this is a common thing, so I don't know why it was uh, highly noted. It feels like they do that a lot. When it comes to crimes, to try and figure out how this all goes, how it went down. But uh, by May, some of the officers officers were actually driving a similar car through the area to see if that like sparked any interest and reminder to the people that lived in the area. By October 18, 1983, the trail was actually cold. That is until the grandparents' truck is found. And this is the truck we had mentioned that's like a, a camper sort of a truck deal. And it was found only 15 miles from the campsite. And only 20 miles from the originally mentioned burned car. But of course it was well hidden. And it seemed as if they tried to drive this truck through the gorge down there. And uh, they couldn't make it. They abandoned the truck. But for somebody to abandon it where they did and drive it where they did, they had to know the area pretty well. So it led investigators to believe even more to the fact that it was somebody local who was involved with the slaying.
November 19, 1983, local residents were shocked when David Shearing, 24, was arrested in Dawson's Creek. That's a sounds like a weird place to be arrested. Now it makes me wonder, was Dawson's Creek the television show based in Canada? I don't know. Uh, but he was escorted to Kamloops under guard and charged with the second-degree murders of the six members of the Johnson and Bentley families. The clue that ended the long search for the killers was gleaned during the Clearwater questioning after the truck was found. One person went on to tell police that over a year earlier, Shearing had inquired about how to register, how to re-register, excuse me, a Ford pickup and repair a hole in its door. And what really put the spot on him is the fact that he, the police never said anything about there being a hole in the door. Because if you know about investigations and how they work, even to the slightest they do not give you all of the information in the media on purpose because they're gonna, like if they put all that information in there, you can easily just be like, oh, I learned about it on television. So they leave little bits and pieces out to actually identify the suspect properly. And that seems to work quite often. Now, when uh, David Shearing was questioned by Sergeant Eastham, he said that he had stalked the victims at their campsite and shot all four, all four adults with his 22 Remington pump action rifle. And as uh, sad as it is to say, outside of just the murders themselves, he had basically stalked this family since the moment that they showed up at the campsite. He already knew what was going to take place because he was a pedophile and he wanted the little girls. And that's really what it was about. Sherry actually lived only three miles from where the murders uh, took place. And after asking, like I said, about the re to re-register the pickup truck, which was obviously the grandparents' truck, that was kind of the the you know the poignant clue, saying, "Hey, this guy's got a truck that he wants to re-register. Something's going on here." Uh, he was actually taken into custody, and he's from a respectable family. Uh, two detectives, though, actually thought that he was guilty immediately. Uh, Bear Creek wasn't wasn't actually part of the media either. They didn't mention anything about the Bear Creek site. They just said that the murders took place somewhere and they all so when they asked David Shearing in the uh investigation, he said, "Well, yeah, Bear Creek, wasn't it?" And bada boom. So Shearing went on to confess to the murders and he eventually does turn over the family's property that he stole. He said that he shot all four adults, while they were sitting around a bonfire, a circled uh, a fire. You know how you do it when you're camping. There's a fire, and everyone sits around it. Sometimes roast marshmallows, hot dogs. You know, all the good stuff there. It's just a horrible way to go. Or is it better to be behind your desk? A lot of people say that, you know, when they're working, kill me. Hey, kill me. That's obviously a joke, but is it better to be killed on vacation or while you're at work? The question remains unanswered. Uh, he, Like I said, he killed uh, four adults around the fire. And the two girls were actually asleep in the tent. And he proceeded to wake them up. And he took them with him. And the girls were alive for approximately a week. And they were tormented and raped. Until he eventually takes them both out to the woods. And one by one... He tells them to turn around and walk in front of him. And yeah, that's... It's just horrendous, man. Horrific shit. 
hard to get through. He did proceed to drive the car with uh, the four dead adults and the girls in the trunk to the place where he set it on fire. And if it wasn't for the fact that he couldn't re-register this truck, there was a good chance that we would have probably never found him. Because had he not set this other vehicle on fire and it being located, and he just happened to keep it on his property or something, there's a huge chance that this would have just went swept right under the rug and forgotten about. Thankfully it wasn't though. But like I said, uh, David Shearing said that he noticed the family as soon as they came to the campsite, and that's well before they were killed. He was already stalking them because he wanted the two young girls. It's a sickness, man. Uh, April 16, 1984, six counts of murder. Is uh, He's charged with six counts of murder, and the judge says that he's cold-blooded, senseless, and destroyed three generations of a family. And for what? He gets life in prison, and uncommon amongst Canadians at this point they were actually asking for the death penalty they wanted to see this man get put to death and I simply say that that is uncommon because they are generally nice people even worse though the man is up for parole in September 2008 uh, the people on the parole board do tell him that he's not ready for freedom uh, 2012 he comes up for review again and he's denied 2014, he with, he comes up for a review and then withdraws his request for review, which is good. It's like, hey man, you're starting to figure it out. Not going to let you go. Because there is uh, thousands of online signatures that urge to keep this man detained, as well as the family members of the victims constantly appealing his release, as you would. He was, uh, he is, uh, married, he got married in prison, which is not something that you would hear about very often when it comes to these killers, but apparently it happens. Some women are crazy. Uh, he actually currently does go by his mother's maiden name, which I, I suppose that's going to help you, uh, in the long run. I, I don't know, maybe, like, people don't just forget, and your face is pretty... I mean, come on. We we can tell who you are. Just because you change your name doesn't change who you are. But that's him, man. That's the uh, Wells Gray Park murder. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Six victims because this guy has a sickness that's deemed uncurable with an infatuation for young girls. It's horrible. And he killed three generations of a family. And then did even worse to the young girls. Like, what is happening? But this is Murder Avenue. And this is kind of the, the road that we take. We've chosen to take. So I hope you enjoyed And You know what I mean. I hope you enjoyed it the way that you're supposed to enjoy it. When it comes to this episode. Don't get weird. Okay? That's all I'm saying. This is a learning experience for all of us. Vacation could be never-ending in a lot of ways if you think about it. You could be on vacation forever. Or you could be on, at work forever. If that's the way you think of death, it's a repeating cycle of your last moments here, then that's what's going to happen. But 
David Shearing is not coming home, and I don't think he ever will. To even see some of these murderers get a chance to talk to the parole board is crazy. At what point do we think that they're fixed? Especially when they're the foundation of who they are and the reason that they perpetrate crimes is because of a sickness that's incurable. If there's a cure, if there's a way to fix this person so they don't have that infatuation, then maybe there's a way for them to come home, to get out. But until that happens, why are they even being seen? We think prison made him better? We think prisons fixed him? No. What? That's not a rehab center. That's not what it is. It's made him a lot worse, I would say. In most cases, that is how it works. Alright guys, well like I said at the top of the show, feel free to follow me on social media. Follow the show at 187MurderAvenue, that's MurderAVE on Twitter, as well as my personal account on Instagram at PatrickMichaelComedy. And just stay tuned, man. More stuff to come. I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope you enjoy what we're doing here and putting out some content as often as possible and giving you guys a little bit of entertainment for your, your ear holes. But until next time, this was Murder Avenue, and as always, I am Patrick Michael. A good day.